Well, it is Saturday night. Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. We are going to weave in a little fidelity to make it that much easier to digest. But it's going to be a great show. Uh, indeed, it will be. Money Matters. My good friends, Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Hartle, my partner. Uh, we are both portfolio managers. By the way, any questions, you can always reach out to us, uh, WolfgangKlein.com. Lots of transparency on our website. You show, show you our performance, how well we do for our clients. And, hey, if you have any uh, requests for money help, that's what we are all about, to help you with money. And the world of money, as old as it may be, as biblical as money may be, uh, money has changed, and money is digital. Uh, I was mentioning to Jack, um, of course, I am in the process of moving homes, and uh, when you move home, you have some renovation to do. And, uh, well, we do rentals, and, and you've gone through them a few times. The word cash is not a bad word. It's a good four-letter word when dealing with people. They like cash. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I went to the bank to withdraw some uh, $5,000 or $6,000 in cash, and they said, nope. Uh, you your daily max for cash is three thousand dollars. I said you gotta be kidding me. They said nope. If you want more, you have to order it. I said so. If I want a hundred thousand dollars in cash, uh, I have to order that. They said oh well, you cannot even take out a hundred thousand dollars. The maximum you're allowed in cash is thirty thousand uh, dollars. They obviously haven't gone through renovations before the way I do, but uh, it is the world. Um, cashless society is on its way. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be replaced by gold. I don't know if it's going to be replaced by crypto, but certainly cryptocurrency is the new currency without question. It's quite vague still. It remains quite new. Uh, And yet uh, it is hotter than hot uh, during COVID-19. I'm delighted uh, to have a friend of a friend join us, uh, Mr. Adam Goldman. Uh, He's the founder and president of BitBuy. Uh, website bitbuy.ca. It is a crypto uh, currency trading platform. He is partners with my good friend Dean Skirka. Uh, Dean has been on the show before, as his father is the uh, owner of Classica. And so I'm very, very proud of this family as uh, Classica Imports has outfitted me for my entire career of some 30 years, and their children continue to move forward and uh, enter into the new world of cryptocurrency. I'm incredibly fascinating story we're going to share with you right here right now uh adam uh welcome to hi-fi radio my good friend thanks for having me guys uh adam goldman founder president of bitby we're going to be talking crypto right here right now so um adam uh when i speak with dean and his father uh they just tell me that the transactions through the platform are astounding better than they ever imagined they their eyes are popping with the amount of activity uh please speak to us of, of your uh new success and, and, and describe to us specifically what the value proposition is that you're bringing to the world of finance sure um well that's uh, some great questions and I'm, and I'm more than happy to to elaborate on that so um, if I could just speak a little bit about uh, the recent success BitBuy has been uh, seeing, um, there's a lot of factors as to why BitBuy has uh, managed to increase its uh, headcount to about 23 full-time employees. We've moved to a new office in downtown Toronto in order to uh, deal with the scale and the increase in volume transactions and general interest in, in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And so, um, so at BitBuy, what we do is we have uh, essentially perfected the on and off ramp from fiat dollars into cryptocurrency, and we we bill ourselves as uh, 
one of the places that uh, would be your first stop um, when looking to get into the world of cryptocurrency. Um, so we offer uh, several different types of coins on the platform, as well as a few different flavors and ways to acquire assets and, and to trade as well. One of them is through our Express platform. It's more of a buy and sell. And of course, uh, for the more advanced uh, financial types out there, we have a full trading platform with advanced order types and, and a suite of tools that can allow you to um, use your requisite knowledge uh, in order to enter and, and entertain in the market. Um, so, so BitBuy has seen um, some great success this year. Uh, I think we're on pace to do uh, almost half a billion in volume traded on the platform. Um, we mainly dominate uh, in the uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum pairs against the Canadian dollar. Um, and we've, uh, we've really tried to just continue to demonstrate to the Canadian market that we are a trustworthy avenue for, for Canadians to feel comfortable um, when they venture into this new world, given, of course, uh, some of the history uh, in the Canadian crypto landscape. Well, again, it, it, it's all in the cloud. It's one step away, you know, to an old guy like me uh, from being pie in the sky. Uh, yes. I've heard of stories of people, quote unquote, losing their key and therefore being unable to access their cryptocurrency because it's encrypted specifically for an individual. No key, uh, no laundry, no ticket, no laundry. Yes, that's uh, that's correct. So I think one of the challenges that is still facing uh, pioneers in the space is is reducing these technological barriers to entry and providing a flow that will allow mainstream adoption. And that has begun to occur uh, with a lot of the infrastructure that um, anyone will require in order to interact with cryptocurrencies. So, of course, uh, as you mentioned, private keys, uh, as that relates to something called a, a Bitcoin wallet. And so a Bitcoin wallet and or a Bitcoin address, uh, I won't get too detailed into that, but effectively that is is like a bank account. And so, of course, if, if those bank accounts, if you will, are not provisioned or set up correctly um, with respect to, um, you know, backing up uh, a recovery phrase and a private key, as you mentioned, um, yes, there will be a significant amount of people that will, um, well, I I hasten to say significant. There will be elements where um, a private key is misplaced or mismanaged and or lost, and those coins, of course, will uh, will not be recoverable due to the technical design um, of the Bitcoin network itself in that particular example. So, so here we are, I don't know, 10 years into cryptocurrency. I remember when I first became aware of crypto, a producer at CP24. I was just about to go on CP24 for a television hit, and one of the producers said, Wolf, have you ever heard of cryptocurrency? Uh, cryptocurrency is this new type of currency. It, it, it's frequently used in the deep web for uh, less than uh, ethical transactions and purposes, but it has obviously become very legitimized. Uh, but not yet so where I can hire a stonemason or a horse sander or an electrician to be able to transact with that individual. When do you think it is going to become so mainstream that will it will be able to replace cash and you can just tap a phone and it will be uh, uh, paid for by uh, a cryptocurrency? Um, I think we're definitely 
on the way there. And when I say on the way there, I would say we're in the later stages of, of, of the beginning of this process. Um, and I would I would simply say that given the amount of interest that I've seen from within my own personal network over the years and the times to which they begin to inquire about uh, and learn up and read about cryptocurrencies. And so I think as, you know, a combination of what I spoke to earlier, the, the technological frictions get reduced and um, the masses sort of discover this, um, these companies that are building all these tools and product suites will actually be able to facilitate the scenario that you just suggested. Um, and, and I just, and I just want to uh, chuckle about you mentioning contractors, of course, because I actually recently myself was doing some renovations as well. And uh, one of the contractors uh, had asked uh, if, if I could pay in Bitcoin. Um, of course, I asked some subsequent questions about uh, their ability to uh, accept the Bitcoin. And, and, and that led to a whole um, education session. And, and I was able to to pay a little bit in Bitcoin. And, and that was a very novel pretty cool thing uh, with respect to sort of the scenario you're talking about as the digital cash. Um, and so, so I think simply time and more mainstream adoption, uh, I think one of the things we could touch on with respect to that point would be PayPal, for example, or the wealth symbols of the world that are trying to literally do that, um, bring the level of friction down from a user flow perspective. And that's what you're going to begin to see with these closed loop systems. Uh, we're speaking with um, Adam Goldman, uh, the founder and uh, president of BitBuy. BitBuy is a cryptocurrency trading platform. The website is bitbuy.ca. Uh, the man's a pioneer. The industry is new. There is a lot of enthusiasm around it during COVID-19. I'm hearing stories of individuals staying at home, dabbling in, in, in crypto trading and making a whole lot of money. And the irony is Bay Street is separated from it. We trade currencies, we trade oil, we trade gold, we trade cotton, we trade everything on Bay Street, but not cryptocurrency. We're going to go to commercial break. I'm going to ask Adam as to why the banks and the likes aren't in it yet, or perhaps in a few years' time, they gobble them up and continue to dominate the world of financial transactions. The show Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. My good friend Jack Hartle standing by and is going to be joining us as well later in this show. My good friends, stay with us. It is Saturday night, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Manager of Wealth. Uh, for, well, about 300 Canadian families. Of course, I'm here for you, as is my partner, Jack Hartle. Call us yin and yang if you wish. Uh, we offset each other so well and create magic for our clients. Uh, we can do that for you as well. Uh, an inquisitive mind, I think, is an advanced mind. And, of course, the show is all about asking good questions and learning about money. Uh, Adam uh, Goldman is with us. Uh, he is the founder and the president of BitBuy, uh, bitbuy.ca. It is a cryptocurrency trading platform. If you're not sure what cryptocurrency is, well, it's zeros and ones that uh, is now considered a medium of exchange, similar to what gold once was, and Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars, otherwise known as fiat currently, fiat currency currently is. Um, Adam, uh, tell me something. Uh, how is it that this trading um, uh, community around cryptocurrencies has, has, has uh, uh, morphed into a, a relatively substantial uh, industry, and yet the likes of Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and the World Bank and um, you know even even in my own company, Canada Ingenuity, uh, are, are are not 
engaged in the trading of this financial asset? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, I think it doesn't uh, require too uh, complicated of an answer. I would say that it simply um, hinges around risk and uh, potentially regulatory um, compliance and things like that. Of course, being a new technology and a new asset, um, you know, whether or not the interest was there, there was no actual framework or um, process or abilities to easily allow the Wall Street types of firms to enter the marketplace. And, um, and so I think as that begins to change with the advent of public companies now acquiring um, digital assets and putting them on their balance sheets, as well as funds and and uh, firms that are building trust products and derivative products who are trying to draw in that institutional liquidity in a flavor that makes Wall Street and Bay Street uh, comfortable enough to participate. Um, I would say on the other side of that, um, the ex-Wall Street guys who have uh, ventured into the trading realm of cryptocurrency um, are, are loving what they're seeing. And I think that may hinge a lot on the, the, the volatile nature of this asset class and, and the other asset classes in, in cryptocurrency. And so the, the swings in the market are much larger. Um, the times are much larger. The correlations are typically different than in traditional finance. And so I think a lot of people from Wall Street with a trading background who have interest um, are getting very excited by those differing nuances between traditional finance, capital markets, and, and crypto trading and, and things like that. You know, Adam, you, again, and I'm going to bring Jack into this one here. You've got to admit, Jack, you're making a lot of very interesting points. And, and, and friends at home, what Adam Goldman is, is telling us, is, is cryptocurrencies have a different rhythm. Uh, we call it correlation in, in our business, and by the sounds of it, they could be at times negatively correlated to other assets, which means when other assets like stocks go down, there is – do you find that when stocks go down, Adam, uh, crypto goes up, uh, sort of like a, uh, the U.S. 30-year treasury? Um, I would say typically and historically, whenever there's a sort of negative sentiment in traditional finance, it's strong for cryptocurrency. Um, from a philosophical standpoint, it's it's probably why um, cryptocurrencies have arrived on the scene today. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I do think that as sort of the adoption continues to take place and, and more of these firms get involved, um, they will be under they will be able to understand the uncorrelated and correlated nature. I think with respect also to the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a little bit of a mix up in the rhythm. Uh, initially, of course, I would say the economic response to COVID-19 was cryptocurrencies uh, wet dream in the making. Um, but right. of course, as that begins to stabilize as a new status quo, there will be um, some binding of those correlations. And then, of course, you know, heading into election season, there's there's really a lot of uh, uncertainty and in, in, in a great deal of different factors to consider when looking at rhythms and correlations as well. So we've seen a coupling recently of cryptocurrency to the traditional economy, I would say, in the last month or so, last couple of months, but uh, I believe we could be on point for a decoupling of things post-election cycle. Uh, Jack, uh, what do you have for Adam? Well, just looking at what he's talking about here, especially with the institutions and, and gaining you know, broader acceptance in the investment world, Adam, um, big institutions, um, sovereign wealth funds, 
they want liquidity when they're buying an asset class. Now, obviously, you're not trading on the scale that those institutions need. But what do you see on your platform in terms of liquidity and how are you able to get um, effective and efficient pricing for your clients? Sure. So, um, so the way that we can effectively provide some, you know, uh, comparable liquidity to, you know, the other offerings that are out there in the market uh, is by partnering, of course, with experts in that sub-niche of cryptocurrency. Um, these firms, uh, we refer to them, I guess, as, as liquidity providers. They're, they're kind of akin to traditional uh, liquidity providers and market makers as well. And what they do is they're able to um, allow us to tap into the rest of the global currency market, um, whether that's uh, in other jurisdictions through a back end using uh, different order books connected, smarter, smart order routing, um, and things like that. And so I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of the, the sovereign wealth and the institutional side of things, they want a lot of liquidity. Um, and one thing I think with respect to that, I, I, see, I do see um, the offerings uh, in the cryptocurrency space that are offering futures contracts um, and other derivatives like that. We're seeing a lot um, higher rise in available liquidity for those specific markets um, with then with respect to the the underlying spot market assets themselves. And I think that's helping to facilitate um, this this next wave. But yes, I, I would totally concur. I would totally agree that um, uh, it is due to liquidity and, and, and that liquidity, of course, needs to continue to grow and continue to increase through networks of partnerships with market makers and LPs. Well, the other point you brought up, Adam, is the point of volatility. And uh, th that just means that daily price movement can be very, very wild and, and, and wide and dangerous as such. But, but flipping around to the fun side of things, not that playing or investing money should be fun. It should be profitable first and foremost. Uh, but there's also the, the, that notion of mad money. Uh, what type of swings can you expect if you're a Canadian buyer of crypto on a daily basis? And uh, hence, what kind of P&L or profit and loss could a, could an average investor uh, expect over the course of a short period of time? That's a tough question for me to answer. Uh, of course, I'm not giving any financial advice or investment advice, um, but, um, you know, I think it's more akin to uh, a, more of a cycle-based process than more of a daily action process. And, and what I mean by that, not being a traditional finance guy, is um, – you know, the rhythms or the waves that are coming into cryptocurrency because we're so early and things like adoption need to take place and development and evolution and, you know, failures need to be weeded out. Um, I think uh, what's happening there is, is uh, you know, when those new events or catalyst events come into the market, they, they usually um, rear themselves with a much higher volatility swing. And of course, the most recent one being, you know, sort of a, a rise from about the 10,000 sideways action that had been sitting at um, all the way up until where we're at now, which is around 13,000. And it's making a lot of uh, people euphoric and excited about the future. And so I would say on a daily basis, um, it's really hard to compute. Uh, it's maybe a little bit easier when discussing non-Bitcoin assets. So the other altcoins or, or DeFi coins, they have even more volatility. But uh, uh, again, um, with respect to liquidity, there's a lot less liquidity. And so um, I wouldn't say that there's a consistent, consistent percentage gain rise for trading uh, any metric like that. Um, but you know, looking at the historical uh, growth of Bitcoin over the course of a decade, um, you know, it has been able to 
prove itself as something that is on a rising path, um, at least for the long term. Um, but again, you know, me not having a background in trading is is uh, sort of limiting my ability to speak specifically on, you know, what traders could expect on a, on a daily while trading against uh, these asset classes. Well, an adage that uh, Jack and I adhere to, we hang our hat on, is the importance of liquidity in any asset class, financial asset class uh, specifically, that you uh, engage in. In other words, buy liquid companies, buy liquid bonds. And when it comes to crypto, if you're going to go down that road, make sure you buy the most liquid cryptocurrency so that if you need to sell it, you can sell it quickly without moving the price. So I I assume Bitcoin remains the preeminent uh, market leader when it comes to cryptocurrency, Adam? That's correct. Bitcoin is king, uh, or or as uh, a lot of them say, the original DeFi, which is another buzzword you may have heard uh, roaming around cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a great discussion. Um, We've been speaking, of course, with Adam Goldman. He's the founder and president of BitBuy.ca. BitBuy is the name of the company, of course. It is a Canadian-based, but Toronto-based cryptocurrency trading platform. If you're all intrigued, check out the website. Uh, Great discussion, Adam. I can't thank you enough for your time. You pass on my best to Dean. I'll see him up at his dad's store classic i'm certain very very soon good job buying up the guest there jack we're gonna go to commercial break and we're gonna speak with my good friend don velo we're coming up to u.s election and of course tis the season for equities to go higher it's gonna be a great discussion with don velo on hi-fi radio global news radio 640 in toronto please stay tuned it is hi-fi radio saturday night what a night to talk money what a night to spend with you, well, for the next half hour anyways, it's a delight, of course, to be here with you, my good friends. And if you have any questions about money, no question too big, no question too small, WolfgangKlein.com is where you'll find myself and, of course, my partner, Jack Hartle. Uh, you can take a look at our portfolios, take a look at our performance, look at our financial planning page, look at our news. So much information there for you. And, of course, our contact information as well. Send us a note. We will get back to you with an answer and with a discussion because we are here for you. Uh, Don Velo uh, is a gentleman of Bay Street for pretty close to 50 years. This man has seen psychos. He has seen basically it all. Uh, He probably has not seen Donald Trump. Uh, (laughs) Don Velo, welcome back to the show. Uh, You're a market technician, uh, extraordinary technical analyst. Of course. Um, So let's get right into it. Uh, We are days away from a U.S. election. Uh, We had a pretty volatile week in the market. Uh, And I saw a piece, I think, from Bespoke uh, that uh, indicated um, whenever the market has fallen 3% days before the election, uh, the incumbent loses the election. What do you think of that one? Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, the seasonality of both the U.S. and Canadian equity markets uh, just prior to the election itself is so distinct, and it's happening once again uh, historically from the beginning of September right through until a few days before the U.S. presidential election, equity markets move lower. And boy, have we seen that again this year. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that Historically, the period uh, from just before the U.S. presidential election, that's uh, right through until Inauguration Day. That's a 12-week period. The U.S. and Canadian equity markets go into the strongest 12-week period in the whole four-year cycle. 
Really, so, Don? That's the strongest 12-year period out of the whole four-year presidential cycle right here in front of us, historically speaking. And if I may, with the market pulling back, uh, sets you up for a potential nice profitable trade. What kind of average return have we seen in that 12-week period, historically speaking, Don? Yeah, it's interesting that on average, uh, during the last 17 period, that's going back to 1952, the uh, S&P 500 has gone up a little bit more than 3%. Now, it's gone up 11 of those 17 periods. The ones that's gone down have been relatively small, uh, but historically, when it's gone up, it's gone up quite significantly. Now, I do have a qualification here. There's one period out of the 17 which didn't go well at all. And that was the year that President Obama won election as president. That was in 2008. And he also won a supermajority that year. In other words, they gained control of both the Congress and uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives. Markets did not like that one period out of the 17. That particular year, the market went down 17.4% during the period. So I, I'd raise that as a concern because of what we're seeing what's happening right now in the U.S. Uh, we're getting close to the election results. Hard to say which way it's going to go. Uh, but if Biden wins a supermajority and he also is proposing higher taxes, that uh, sets up for another possible data point, which implies on the downside. Now, that hasn't happened yet. So far, we need to get results of the election before we can make that assessment. But just a kind of a word of caution. Historically, it's a good time, but there has been one time when it was not so great. Well, the supermajority, again, seems to be the way the market is tilted, or excuse, the polls are currently tilted. So, um, you know, caveat emptor, uh, buyer beware. Uh, of that historic data point, which, of course, is only 12 years young, but it, it's worthy of note, Don. Um, obviously, the seasonal uh, strength, uh, you know, you buy when it snows, sell when it goes, uh, is well, we're right in the middle of it. The, the middle of October is when uh, the buying should begin, correct, Don, according to your work and Thackeray's uh, work. Uh, so uh, what, where is the beta trade? Where do we get the most torque uh, over the next six months? Is it tech? Is it resources? Uh, or is it just a broad S&P 500 and then TSX 60? Well, a lot of that depends upon, of course, the, the coronavirus uh, solution and also the election coming up. Just a quick review of what might happen with the election. Uh, if Trump could win and he uh, Senate control is held by the Republicans. That's a positive event. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, if Biden wins and the Senate remains a Republican control, that's a good possibility. Or Biden could win and control the Senate could flip to the Democrats, the so-called blue wave. That is the most likely scenario. And the worst case scenario is when Biden wins and results are contested in the courts. Now, something important is happening with the polls in the United States right now. We're seeing the uh, Democrats uh, with uh, poll results in the uh, Senate suggesting that there could be a, a flip of about three major seats, which would give the Democrats control. Now, that can, that can change t tomorrow. So the best thing to do is wait until we find out the results uh, early next week. Um, now, if the scenario is that the, Republican, that the Democrats win with a supermajority, that could be a problem for equity markets for a period of time. 
but there, on the, on the other hand, there will be certain sectors which will benefit on the upside, and those are sectors which will uh, benefit from uh, an improvement in the technology sector in the United States. Um, Jack, uh, how do you think the election is going to play out? What's your best call? And then throw it over to Don. Wolf, I, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen in the election, but what I, I do think that the market would like the most, in my opinion, uh, would be if uh, if Biden actually won, and then you, you saw the uh, uh, the Republicans hang on to the Senate. In, in that case, I think you do have that balance of power, which is, is very good, and hopefully we would uh, avoid some of the additional taxes that uh, the blue wave of the Democrats took to, that supermajority, um, you know, because they're talking about capital gains tax and additional tax on business. Uh, all those things are, you know, very difficult for the markets to digest. Um, although the market right now, I do believe, is looking for a, a massive stimulus bill, and I do think the Democrats will really deliver that. So, uh, in my opinion, I, I think if the, the Democrats take the presidency and the Republicans hold the Senate, it would be relatively good for the markets. Although I would expect some volatility, you know, next week, uh, no matter what happens, just because of the uncertainty surrounding the change in uh, in politics down in the states. Um, what would you say to that? Uh, uh, Don? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, the key is you want to uh, take advantage of the results next week, one way or the other. But that also raises the question, uh, where do you invest going forward? And uh, let's look at what markets have done in general uh, since the start of the COVID virus. Uh, that was back in around the middle of March. What we saw is the markets dropped sharply. Um, in many cases in the world, it dropped about 30%. It came back about half of that loss into June. And then we had a huge divergence in sectors from around the middle of June right through until now. Uh, those sectors which would benefit from the vaccine uh, uh, or from the virus were the ones that did very, very well, things like technology. Those that uh, were hurt by the virus got hit pretty badly, things like airlines and the energy sector. So that, that raises a question, what, what should an investor do now, given the situation with the virus? We don't have a vaccine yet, and it's hard to say when it will be readily available. Best guessing is probably uh, late next year. But that also implies that there can be some things done by by Canadian investors in particular uh, right now. And let's look at those possibilities as well. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. I'm speaking with my good friend, Don Velo. Don Velo is a market technician. He's also an author, techtalk.com, if you want to receive his daily piece. It's an excellent, excellent piece, a fantastic chart quick highlight of what took place in the day. It takes me all of 90 seconds to read it, and I am just chock full of fantastic, actionable uh, ideas and uh, a lot of alerts as well. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break and get right back with Don Velo. I am Wolfgang Klein. The show is High Five Radio. Jack Hartle in Aurora, in for the cause always. We are here for you, my good friends. You stay tuned. You're going to learn something right after this. It is Saturday night. A pleasure to be hanging with you. Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, which means I help people like you manage and grow their wealth uh, from cradle to grave. Jack and I are here for you, my good friend. We take care of multiple generational wealth. It's all about building wealth, slow, steady, and learning the magic of compounding. And Well, the good news is we can all do it. The key is it takes about 25 years. You plant the acorn 
and you wait for that oak tree to grow. It takes about 25 years, but after that 25-year period, if you stick to a steady, consistent monthly savings program, say saving 10% of your income, as the wealthy barber taught us to do, if you do that for 25 years and you buy equities, quality blue chip stocks, businesses I'm talking about, um, of lasting power, of strong brands, 25 years, you are going to be so happy because your money will probably make as much, if not more money, than you are able to earn on your job. And who wouldn't want to supplement their income? In fact, create all their income that way. Uh, Well, that's what the show is all about, helping you do that. And of course, the market is a fun, volatile place. Volatility can be your friend or it can be your enemy, depending on how you manage it. And of course, it requires a lot of management. And that management takes time. It takes experience. It takes wisdom. And of course, I'm always seeking wisdom. That's why I speak to friends like uh, Don Bilo. And of course, my partner, Jack, is a very, very smart man. Uh, keep him very, very close to my side through all of this decision-making process that Jack and I do on a daily basis to help you manage your wealth. Uh, Don Bilo, of course, is a, a is very intrigued by the seasonality of the market. And of course, he's an excellent market uh, technician. Um, Don, you know, buy low, sell high, buy high, sell higher. Um, You know, the death cross, the break of a 200-day moving average. You know, I'll tell you something. I've learned a lot in the days what works, what doesn't work for my personality. And I I, I dovetail all that knowledge in a simple, but a whole lot of simple statements I've learned over the years. And one is a portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller it gets. So I step back to now, the, the, and then Jack really is a student of Warren Buffett, and uh, I've been sipping his Kool-Aid every now and then and actually really enjoying it. You buy great businesses and you hang on for the long haul. Um, and I, I think that's what a very good process for Jack and I to apply for our clients. It works well for us because uh, I always go back to that bar of soap, but markets do pull back. So stocks that have pulled back, on that you think are great quality brands, good moats that are going to survive COVID, they're going to survive either election outcome. Uh, can, can you give us a couple ideas of stuff that looks good to you on the chart that has pulled back and created a buying opportunity? Yeah, let's first of all look at uh, the uh, the sell opportunities. The uh, what's happened is there's a lot of stocks which have come down because of COVID, and uh, many of these stocks will not really start rec- recovering until uh, well past the time we have a vaccine. So that means between now and the end of the year, uh, many of those stocks uh, are good candidates for tax loss uh, selling uh, reasons. On the on the buy side, there are some interesting opportunities also related to COVID-19, and that has to do with uh, investment opportunities actually outside of North America. North America and uh, Europe are still getting hit by COVID, whereas the Far East has actually gone past that. And we just heard, for example, that in Taiwan, they haven't had a, a COVID-19 uh, uh a patient in over 200 days. So they are in a situation to take advantage of the recovery after COVID-19 gets out of the way. So things like uh, buying uh, uh, Far East equity markets is a good opportunity. The, the way of doing that is not to buy individual securities, but to buy exchange-traded funds that, uh, that track those particular uh, indices. So you have uh, equity ETFs that track, uh, say, China, there's Vietnam, there's uh, South Korea, there's Taiwan. Uh, you can easily just buy that whole country, essentially, and you probably uh, will be able to benefit quite nicely. 
There's another area. There's also the, there's also the uh, EEM, uh, uh, EEM in the United States. You could be, uh, before we go further, but again, listen, 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 uh, you're mentioning no cases coming out of Taiwan, uh, correct? Uh, but the, the data coming out of China, do we trust it? Are they testing? Are they giving us proper data? Do you think they are have turned the corner, as Donald Trump would put it? I think the answer to that is to look at the the, the data that they've released during the last little while. Uh, last quarter, the Chinese economy grew at a 4.9% rate, which is pretty phenomenal considering uh, the trouble that they went through during the COVID situation. Uh, so uh, I guess all we can do is rely on what's available out there so far and uh, and go from there. Yeah, no, fair enough. Jack? Yeah, and the other thing I would say is obviously the there's been a massive COVID uh, resurgence in Europe, and then, you know, there's been lockdowns in, in France and Germany. Um, but if you look at the economic data, Don, uh, GDP number uh, came out on Thursday. So uh, third quarter GDP in the U.S. is up over 33%. Jobless claims were coming down, so that was improving. Uh, earnings through this quarter continued to beat and, and beat significantly. So, on the uh, we talked about politics, but uh, and what's going to happen in the short term over the next you know week or two, and maybe there's a contested election or not. But um, I think the economy is more relevant for the market over time in the direction of earnings. You know whether or not they're improving. Um, what are you seeing out there, Don, in terms of economic um, activity, and then? Uh, economic indicators that either tell us we're you know coming through this virus and extending the uh, the cycle, or we're going to go back into c- contraction and maybe have a, a a very cold winter in the markets. Yeah, your observations about the earnings in the third quarter that have come out are are very uh, relevant. What we've seen so far for the S and P 500 companies, about 50 percent of them have reported their third quarter results so far, and in the case of the TSX 60 companies, about 25 percent have reported so far. Now, 80% of these companies have reported higher than consensus uh, revenues and earnings. So you would think the market would respond favorably to that, but it has not. And it raises because of concerns of the so-called second wave of, of the coronavirus. So these stocks have actually come under pressure, even despite the fact that they've come out with some rather phenomenal improvements in their earnings picture in the third quarter. Yeah, but it's interesting because we are blaming currently this week coronavirus uptick for the market pullback. But again, the market has had an incredible run uh, off the bottom. In fact, the NASDAQ uh, coming through COVID made a new all-time high, correct? So, you know, I I would say that the market used the coronavirus uptick uh, as an excuse to book some profit and perhaps defend portfolios against the uncertainty of the upcoming election. Which leads me to my next question, Don. In terms of Investors, be it institutional investors, those big pension funds and hedge funds, and retail investors, have you seen the data on cash balances? Are average people and average investors overweight cash, underweight stock, or are they overweight stock, underweight cash right now? I haven't seen that data, but I'm guessing that they probably are overweight in cash right now because they've been scared for this COVID uh, uh, virus situation. So the key is that you're, it is eventually set up for a uh, move probably late in uh, the year 2021. I guess what I'm saying is that there are opportunities here in North America, but they may not be the ones you might normally think. Uh, uh, what I'm looking at is the likelihood of a recovery first uh, from the COVID situation in the Far East. Now, what does the Far East use that we have here in North America that they want? And that includes uh, North American commodities. 
We're thinking of uh, base metals, for example, uh, lumber, grains. Don, let me stop you right there on lumber. <laughs> I know lumber. I'm learning lumber because I'm in the process of going through a, through a home renovation. And I just had a contractor through my door in Jack's. Um, a brother-in-law has said the same thing to Jack. You have they have trouble buying two by sixes right now, Don. <laughs> yeah, it's getting expensive when you're buying lumber nowadays. That's for darn sure. Same with cedar shake. You can't get cedar shake. There's the, the, the shortage of it. And I got a quote to get my roof done next year. And they said I, I can quote you the labor, but the uh, the price of the material is on the uptick. You could pay more for it next year. Uh, how much movement you can see in cedar shake? Cedar shake, I don't know. But the, again, knowing the way commodities move, to see doubles and triples in the price of a commodity is not um, uh, terribly uncommon, is it? That's the uh, great thing about this uh, seasonality of uh, these uh, commodities like base metals and lumber and grains and fertilizer. They all have the same uh, seasonal characteristic. They normally bottom right around this time of year and move higher right through until springtime. Yeah, so I got to hedge my bet. I got to buy myself some West Fraser timber, perhaps, or some wire. So I buy some lumber stock, hedge my bet, and that'll help me if I, right? That's what this hedging is all about. If I got to buy some lumber, buy the lumber stock. If the stock goes up, it'll pay for the increased price of my lumber. Uh, Don Velo, any final thoughts on the market as we head into that U.S. election? Yeah, just one other thing. Uh, it has related to the election and also with the uh, with COVID. Uh, this is creating huge uncertainties, and uh, if an a virus or a vaccine is not instituted fairly quickly, we're going to have additional, should we say, economic stress in North America going into the late latter part of this year. And that has an impact on one commodity in particular, and that's gold and gold stocks. Uh, they uh, normally have a period of seasonal strength starting around the middle of December and moving higher right through until around the end of February. It's too early to do the trade now, but uh, watch for it closely. It could be an opportunity. Don, since, since you mentioned gold, which is another type of currency, we just had um, Adam on speaking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. What's your take on crypto in here? Well, it's been interesting to see uh, crypto really starting to move higher. Uh, historically, uh, during the last few years, when you've seen crypto moving higher, you've seen gold moving higher as well. Yeah, they're, uh, they're correlated. Right? They're, they're, they're highly correlated, aren't they? That's correct. But uh, from a safety point of view, from an investment point of view, it's easier to buy gold and gold stocks than it is to buy the cryptocurrency. It is indeed, but the world is changing. Jack, any final thoughts for our listeners? Like you said, Wolf, the world's certainly changing, and we've got an election in front of us. So uh, I look forward to speaking with everyone next week after the election, and we'll see what the next week brings us. You know, some of my good friends, at the end of the day, stay on course, buy quality. If the market pulls back, Embrace it. Continue to buy quality assets. Five years out, 10 years out, 20 years out. The Wolf on Bay Street says you're going to be a very happy camper. I want to wish you a great evening, my good friends. You stay safe, stay warm, enjoy. Well, I guess we're into the month of November, are we not? It's Halloween night. It's Halloween night. Is it Halloween night? I think it's Halloween night. Uh, Indeed, it is. Uh, Scary stuff. But uh, you know something? When you work with Jack and I, we take the fear out of managing money. Have a great weekend. We'll speak with you next week. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.